Meanwhile, back in the aforementioned deepest, darkest part of the Okidoki, those who dwell in that timeless place, because who needs a stopwatch in a swamp, suddenly find their repose disturbed by something, something which claws its way out of the muck-encrusted mire, if not out of the poetically empurpled prose, something which can only be called mud. Well, actually, you could call it a lot of things besides mud, if you really wanted to. Fred, for example. But we wouldn't if we were you. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Swamp Things, comic book muckmen, bog beasts, and mud monsters. Episode number five, Swamp Thing Winter Special, plus Young Monsters in Love, Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew, and Spider-Man vs. Deadpool. Hello and welcome back to the Comic Book Time Machine Presents Swamp Things podcast about swamp monsters and comic books. Two great tastes that taste great together, and I'm not sure if I used that phrase in the past as I've talked about this, but I'm using it again if I have. And this is a podcast, well, you you can get this in two different ways. One way is as its own podcast over on its own feed, the Swamp Things feed, but it's also part of the, the main feed of the Comic Book Time Machine podcast. And with the Comic Book Time Machine, we are going back in time, maybe we're going back in time a week, maybe we're going back in time a couple days as we are today. But then uh, today we are also going back in time a couple decades, and this is this is the episode I've been waiting for uh, ever since I heard about this uh, this new special issue of Swamp Thing that was coming out. Swamp Thing doesn't have his own title right now, and and that's okay. It's it's nice on the budget. I already have lots of Swamp Thing comic books and Man Thing comic books and and other comic books that I haven't read yet that I'm excited to read. so having a, a monthly Swamp Thing comic book, I'm, I'm okay with that. I can, I can live with that. But what I'm holding in my hand right now is a Swamp Thing winter special. And this is a book that once I heard about it, I was so excited because it features two really, really, really strong writers, uh, Len Wein and, and Tom King. And this book features, uh, you know, an original story by by Tom King, but then it also features the plot synopsis and the completed artwork of the first issue of what would have been a Swamp Thing, apparently ongoing series by Len Wein and uh, and Kelly Jones, and they would were following up on their Swamp Thing miniseries that they did, the six issue miniseries that Len Wein wrote, that is very enjoyable enjoyable miniseries. I'll, I'll be talking about it at some point on, on this podcast. But uh, it features his outline for the issue, Len Wein's outline for the issue, and the completed artwork for the issue. And it's a nice little volume. Uh, I'll talk about the you know, specifics of it uh, when I actually get to it in, in later in the episode. But once I heard about what this thing was going to be, I got so excited about it and I couldn't wait for it to come out. And I'd heard it was going to be the last Wednesday of January. And I went to the comic shop last, last week and I was just, I got to get this. I got it. Oh, it's not there. Okay. Well, and they knew, they knew I wanted it. So they, they knew they were going to pull it for me anyway at buymetoys.com, my local comic shop. But when I went to go pick it up, there was a surprise sitting next to it. Uh, two comic books featuring Swamp Thing on the cover, Swamp Thing Winter Special, and another year-themed, or not year-themed, but calendar-themed, I guess, uh, issue, Young Monsters in Love, the DC Comics Valentine's Day anthology book. Uh, now, Swamp Thing appeared in the Christmas anthology book from, from December, and so I didn't know this was a thing. I didn't know this was coming. Uh, he is on the cover kissing the bride of the... Frankenstein monster, uh, and in the background, the Frankenstein monster, a Frankenstein agent of, oh, what is what do they call him here? He is, yeah, Frankenstein agent of shade is standing back in in the background, and he's saying, "We were made for each other, but my bride betrayed me for 
Swamp Thing. And then it tells the title of, of what the story would be, Green with Envy, which is cute because all, all three of those characters are green. Uh, but that cover story is not the Swamp Thing story we get within. It's also not the, the Frankenstein story we get within. But it's a really just a fun cover, Young Monsters in Love. And it was sitting next to the Swamp Thing Winter Special. And I... I, I grabbed it. Of course. Of course I did. I mean, this thing features a ton of stuff. Now, I'm only going to talk about the Swamp Thing story because I haven't read the other other stories. I mean, this is, uh, they call it 80-page giant. This is 80 pages of story. And uh, like with the Christmas one, it features a ton of different uh, characters and, and stories. Unlike the Christmas one, I don't think... I might be wrong, but like I said, I haven't read them all, uh, so I don't know if, about the beginning and end. I don't think there's a frame story that goes on the beginning or the end. Uh, it features Man Bat, Frankenstein, Agents of Shade, uh, Solomon Grundy, Raven, Dead Man, Monsieur Mala, and The Brain. I don't know what that is all about. Uh, I Vampire, Demon, and The Creature Commandos, and of course, Swamp Thing. So that was... <laughs> A genuine surprise and a uh, a delightful surprise. Now, there are two other things I'll be talking about in this episode, and this is actually going to take the format of kind of like the uh, uh, my grab bag episodes that I do for the main feed. And what I do on that is I open a bag that has comics in it that I, I don't know what the comics are. Um, maybe I'll know what two of them are, but then there's two inside the bag that you can't see because the bag's clear, you know, but you, you can see the front and the back, but not the middle. Uh, anyway, I'll be doing, you know, just starting with one, uh, I'll, I'll do a podcast promo and then I'll talk about what I just read and I'll, I'll do the same thing, uh, for all of these. So I have not read the, uh, I, I did read the Young Monsters in Love uh, thing ahead of time, but I have not read the Winter Special one. I've I've been waiting. I've been saving that, uh, and I'll be doing that one last because, like I said, I am saving that. That is that is my dessert. <laughs> that is that is what I'm going to end with because I have heard such good things about it. And Tom King, he's the guy who did that Batman issue with Swamp Thing that was so so good. So I'm really really curious what this is going to be like. Anyway. Speaking of other uh, delightful surprises, as I was speaking of earlier, uh, I got a package in the mail, and I was not expecting this, um, but uh, it came from uh, Professor Allen, and I, again, like I said, I wasn't expecting it, but when I saw that it came from him, now this is this is weeks ago, but I remembered that he had posted something on Facebook about a comic book that had reminded him of of me. That comic book was Captain Carrot and His Amazing Zoo Crew, issue number four. And when I opened that envelope, lo and behold, inside was Captain Carrot and His Amazing Zoo Crew, issue number four and five. Now, issue number four is the one I'll be talking about in uh, this episode, but this is my official pod thank you to <laughs> Professor Allen. Uh, Professor, I really, this this was fun uh, to get in the mail. I appreciate you uh, thinking of me. I appreciate you taking the time to actually send the thing in the mail to me. And I appreciate the addition to my Swamp Monster comic book collections. And I'm looking forward to talking about it. And right on the front, it just says, his name is Mud. And there is indeed a swamp monster menacing the zoo crew. Now, uh, the final thing, and actually probably will be the first thing I actually talk about uh, when I start reading these comics, is Spider-Man Deadpool. Now, I don't know if it's actually called Spider-Man slash Deadpool or Spider-Man versus Deadpool. And honestly, I don't care. I mean, I I hate Deadpool. I've mentioned this before. I think in the last Swamp Things uh, episode that I did, uh, I had read another comic that featured Deadpool heavily. Uh, I own now a handful of Deadpool. Deadpool comic books, and they all are something that has entered my collection because of something else that is within the book. So, for example, I have a Deadpool comic book that is just from Deadpool from, uh, it was from the, was it from the 90s, late 80s, something like that. But why did I get it? Because it featured the Great Lakes Avengers. 
I also have more recently a Deadpool comic book that featured Agent Coulson. Why did I get it? Because Agent Coulson, the MCU, I really like the MCU. I have a podcast about the MCU. I bought the comic because Coulson was in it. And then I read the comic and I, uh, I mean, spoiler alert, Coulson dies in that comic and he dies at the hands of Deadpool. (sighs) And so three issues of Deadpool, 23, 24, and 25. Why did I buy them? I don't know. Because I'm kind of an idiot, maybe. I don't know. Because it doesn't actually feature Man-Thing, but it kind of does. Kind of. And I don't know. I I spent money on this. And the cover doesn't even have Man-Thing on the... I'll I'll talk about it. I'll talk about it. It's the first thing I'm going to talk about. I just, yeah, I hate Deadpool <laughs> and I own these now. Like, what? This is, this is, this is what happens. This is what podcasting is all about is these, these moments, these moments of, of revelation as, as someone confesses to you someone who you may never ever meet face to face but yeah I bought those comics because of a tangential uh, connection to a swamp monster character that I like okay well we'll get to it Uh, so I'm not sitting outside for this episode. I'm not doing anything like that. Um, I am recording late at night, and it's nice. Uh, today, I did not have to go into work. I ended up still working most of the day because I knew that there was a uh, – not a well, I guess it was a storm. It wasn't a blizzard, but a, a big storm. A lot of snow was going to be falling, and so I knew I may not be able to get into the office today. So I brought work home with me and uh, ended up uh, – not only did I not – not only was I not able to go into the office today because so much snow fell, but because the town where my office is, uh, where I work at the church, where I work, that town lost power completely. And so I ended up being at home uh, all day and it was nice. You know, I, I did the work that I brought home to do and I got to hang out with the kids a little bit and play video games with my youngest. And, uh, um, yeah, so but it's it's so appropriate that I'm doing the winter special right now and the Valentine's Day issue of course is, you know, Valentine's Day is coming soon uh depending on when you're listening to this of course because of time, you know, podcast being the ultimate time machine. You could be listening to this, you know, in, in the middle of the summer. But right now I look outside and there is a lot of snow out on the out of my yard. There's snow coming down. There is snow on the trees. It is beautiful. It is gorgeous. The the probably the main thing that's not gorgeous is the streets. You know, the streets just never look pretty when when they've been plowed and salted, and it's just it's just not pretty. The other thing that's not gorgeous is all the snow that we had to shovel to uh, keep our cars from getting plowed in because we don't have a driveway, we don't have a garage, uh, so our cars have you know. 13 inches of snow on them right now, but we had to just keep shoveling throughout the day to make sure that the the cars didn't get, didn't get plowed in, uh, because they have in the past and it's not pretty, but the rest of everything, I mean, looking out my window right now, we live right next to a, uh, uh, one of our city parks. Uh, I mean, right next to it. So I, I look out our, 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 our window here, our living room window, and it's just looking at these really nice trees. And, and there's this really cool fence and right now those nice trees just have piles of snow on them the branches are sagging underneath the weight of the snow that's collected on the branches and uh it's just we've got the just that right now on the on the the yard it's just that untouched blanket of snow and the kids were out playing in it today in the afternoon and, and, uh, it's kept snowing though. And, and, and so 
wherever they were playing has just been covered and, and there's no evidence that they were playing in the yard at all, uh, except for some maybe there's, there's, yeah, there's some shallow, uh, impressions of, of where, uh, paths have been made from them running, running along, but it's just gorgeous, just beautiful, but also really, really cold. So I'm, I'm glad to be inside. I'm not going to try and do this out in nature as I have for some of these swamp things, uh, episodes. But it's it's appropriate. It's appropriate for the content and the subject matter of the winter special and the, the Valentine's Day special. And so uh, without any further ado, I'm going to play a podcast promo for a podcast that I listen to. And then I'm going to talk about Spider-Man versus Deadpool. Man-Thing was created in the early 1970s to capitalize on the growing monster craze, but under writer Steve Gerber it became something quite different. Experimental, surreal, and very, very weird. It was something I loved as a kid, but does it still hold up today, four decades after its initial publication? So join me, Paul Matthew Carr, as I attempt to make sense of this cult classic and analyze each issue, putting it in the context of the time it was written and comparing it to the standards of today. And maybe you, too, can come to love the world's second most famous swamp-based comic book character as much as I do. The Nexus of All Realities, a Man-Thing podcast, a twice-monthly dive into the bizarre. There might be some of you out there who are listening right now and just saying to yourself, Ben, why do you do this to yourself? Huh? Come on, buddy. Don't do this to yourself. Just don't. Just don't buy the Deadpool comics. If you don't like Deadpool, don't buy it. And you're right. <laughs> you are exactly right. <laughs> and I actually uh, remember, you know, I, 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 I went into the, the comic shop and I, I knew that there was this Man-Thing related subplot of some sort in this Spider-Man versus Deadpool comic series which I, I can't stand the character Deadpool I can't stand that he has multiple titles uh, I, I managed to avoid buying a, a Deadpool comic a while ago um, that was that had I think it actually had man thing in it and I just said no I'm not gonna do it I saw that this I had heard about this so I went in it's three issues issue 23 24 and 25 feature a character and I didn't buy it. And I went back the next week, didn't buy it. And I went back the next week and I went ahead and I bought the three issues. Now, I'm just going to say this right now. The issues themselves, I didn't hate them. I didn't. And the reason I bought them was because I did finally flip through issue 25 and the character that is tangentially related to Man-Thing uh, seemed to have a, a heavy role in the the climax of this and actually seemed to be possibly the antagonist. And I hadn't read it, but just flipping through it and seeing that, I thought to myself, okay, this looks interesting. Of course, I hadn't read it yet, but then I went back and issue 26 had been uh, appeared on the stand and I thought, ooh, you know, it looked like the the thing that I had seen was was actually the you know the antagonist, maybe a hidden antagonist throughout this whole thing. And so I I looked at issue number twenty six and flipped through it, and and that character is not in issue twenty six. Well, now I kind of understand why he's. This is not a recurring villain character. This is a recurring, uh, well, it's a, it's a recurring supporting cast member, and. <laughs> uh, I don't feel cheated, not completely, because there is something interesting going on here. I, I just don't like Deadpool. And I don't like what... Yeah. I, I'm not going to harp on why I don't like him. I, I, I Just briefly, for people who don't know, I, he's, he's, I feel he's oversaturated. I feel he's overrated. I feel like, you know, he's an interesting character to have a title, maybe, you know, people do like him. And um, my friend Daniel, uh, Daniel Butcher from Welcome to Level 7 and, and the comic book time machine here, he really likes Deadpool. Like Deadpool is one of, if not the favorite character of his. Uh, 
I don't know if he's, maybe not the favorite character, but definitely very high up on the list for him. And he has good reasons for liking the character. And there's some heartfelt stuff that, uh, some heartfelt storytelling that has happened with Deadpool. And just for me, because I'm, I'm here just looking at the surface. No, I don't like him. I just don't. So I buy the comic books though. And I, I put up with him. I, I put up with his shenanigans. I put up with his ridiculous attitude. I put up with him, you know, basically being the villain. Uh, the antagonist of this series is absolutely Deadpool. Spider-Man is trying to get Deadpool to come to the side of the angels. And he's trying, he, he's seen the man that Deadpool can be. And so he wants to help Deadpool to become this noble, upright citizen, <laughs> superhero. Uh, he, he's the only person who, who sees this and yeah. And so <laughs> in the first issue, he sees that Deadpool is selling, uh, sh abandoned shield gear on late night television. Um, and so he goes to seek out Deadpool and, um, he's reminded by Bobby Morse, uh, mockingbird that Deadpool killed Coulson. He's reminded that Deadpool is a criminal and he's reminded that he needs to bring Deadpool in and he's going to do that. He plans to do that. He finds Deadpool and finds out that it's not Deadpool selling those, uh, those shield weapons on late night television. Deadpool is selling shield weapons. Deadpool has stolen a helicarrier is using it for his base. So he is selling weapons, but he's just not, he would never do it on late night television. <laughs> so, yeah. So they get caught into the adventure of finding out who is impersonating Deadpool. And I'm not going to get into those details. I'm not going to give you spoilers. You know, Daniel, if you haven't read it, don't worry about it. I'm not going to give spoilers of who did it. Uh, I do want to get into some of these uh, details, though, of like the supporting cast. <laughs> In the supporting cast, you have Manphibian, who is uh, basically Marvel, the Marvel Universe's version of the creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, you also have, uh, what's the name? Bruce and Deborah. Uh, had to look there for that for here. Uh, Bruce, I remember because they're sharks. They are telepathic sharks who are able to not just read your mind, not just communicate uh, intelligently and sentiently, but uh, I don't know if sentiently is a word, but anyway, uh, they're actually able to connect minds. So, uh, while they're underwater, uh, Spider-Man and Deadpool, Bruce and Deborah are able to communicate with each other. And uh, Bruce and Deborah are great characters. <laughs> I love them. I, I, I don't think I'm going to buy any more of these uh, Deadpool versus Spider-Man issues, but I am probably going to flip through them to see what Bruce and Deborah are up to. Um, they're they're fun and they're just in a pool in the helicarrier <laughs> the uss deadpool or in the artwork it's the uss pool but in the uh in the dialogue they call it the uss deadpool another member of the supporting cast is hellcow <laughs> now hellcow is from i believe one of the first solo if not the first solo how are the duck stories from steve gerber he's a vampire cow or I guess I should say she's a vampire. He or she is a vampire cow. And, of course, just that ridiculous uh, storytelling that Steve Gerber would do, taking ideas and tropes and, and things like that, turning them on its head to either say something funny or to say something poignant or to say something political. And... Uh, it says here the description is Hellcow, aka um Cow, Bessie or Mabel or some such, bitten by a vampire and condemned to immortality, and now apparently an upright talking assistant. We'll explain in later issues. Probably. <laughs> so that was <laughs> that was a pleasant surprise. Uh now the the Deadpool shenanigans I'm not the biggest fan of what's going on here, but there is some clever writing. There is absolutely do not get me wrong. Uh, these issues are well-written. Uh, they are by, uh, let's see, his name is Thompson, but what's his first name? 
Robbie Thompson. Pencils are by Chris Piccolo or Boccaccio. I recognize uh, the name from, I think, uh, Generation Next and some things like that. Um, but I, I definitely recognize the name from 90s comics. And uh, yeah, it's it's good. It Don't get me wrong. There is definitely quality on the page as far as uh, talent in writing and talent in artwork. But uh, yeah, it, so where they end up as they're seeking out the uh, the person who's selling shield uh, abandoned shield gear because shield is no more in this universe just like colson is no more in this universe now uh it's in this place where there were shield experiments going on and there's different creatures and monsters in this dome and so they go into the dome to find out and and they come across more creatures and and monsters and uh one of the okay so then the the final um the final supporting cast member that i want to talk about is clay quartermain now Clay Quartermain is an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., but this is not the Clay Quartermain because he's also dead. This is a life model decoy of Clay Quartermain, who, as it says here, was recovered from a swamp in Florida. And then it says he's a short circuit waiting to happen. So why is this important? Well, he has this symbiotic relationship. Uh, Think venom only not covering the whole body just kind of attached to the body and it's with this kind of swampy gooey uh planty kind of thing it has fruit growing from it and it has an eye uh the eye is absolutely looks like uh, man things eye eyes uh there are man thing like trunks hanging off of of him and i <laughs> Okay, I, I don't know what happened, and I, I have really tried hard to see if there was anything to show, you know, any of the stuff that they talk about in uh, in the comic uh, about where he came from. Uh, they don't, as far as I can tell. Um, when Clay Quartermain introduces himself to Spider-Man, Spider-Man says, what are you? And he says, a life model decoy of Clay Quartermain that was infected with a sentient organic virus. And then the virus speaks and the virus says, greetings. I am branch branch. That is really neat. And so when he walks around, he has one of his arms is kind of man thing like, and then there's all these kind of branches that branch off away from it off his shoulder. He has his human body and his left arm is human. His face is human. But on his left shoulder is kind of half of a man thing face, and it it's kind of cool. And I love the design. I love the idea. I love that Clay Quartermain is this. First of all, LMD digging into that side of Shield history. He's a Shield agent digging into that side of Shield history, and and then he has this sentient plant virus on him now at the end when they're fighting the bad guy uh what happens is the the plant side of him just kind of goes nuts and expands and grows and and it looks like this is the climax this is what i'm talking about is it looked like it was the climax of a uh the final battle. And so as I was glancing through it, it looked like, Oh, this is their, this is him. This is the, they're fighting the final monster of this battle. No, no, it's not. Uh, this is the one thing I guess I will spoil is, uh, it turns out that they were intentionally creating a diversion so that Spider-Man and Husk, uh, someone else, um, who's showed up in the comic, who is from, I think generation X or something like that. But, um, Husk, shows up and they're going to go catch the bad guy who is, you know, pretending to be Deadpool. And they use that whole expanding plant explosion as the diversion. Deadpool says, I'll fight this off. You guys go get the bad guy. And, and then it ends. <laughs> uh, it was all diversion. And they use that to get the bad guy off their back and to get Spider-Man and Husk off their back. And they got lots more shield weaponry to go and sell. And Clay, LMD, Clay Quartermain, and Branch were, were in on it. And they, 
I like the twist. Um, you know, if, if I'm reading this and it's Spider-Man versus a uh, bad guy who is anybody but Deadpool, I actually kind of like the idea there. And Branch and Quarter, Quartermain, I love that. I love that. Uh, I don't know how he was infected by Man-Thing. I don't know. I, I want to see that story. But uh, apparently LMD Quartermain uh, has a, a short history in, in comics. And I'm really curious about that. But anyway, yeah, that's that's why I have Spider-Man, Spider-Man versus Deadpool. And I, like I said, there's some funny bits and there's some goofy bits and there's some... Um, yeah, Deborah and Bruce, I love them. And uh, Quartermain and Branch, that's that's fun. Uh, I just wish it wasn't in a Deadpool comic. But beggars can't be choosers. And apparently Swamp Monster comic buyers can't be choosers either. The only problem is, of the three comics, they have some plant-based <laughs> things on them. But the closest that... It comes to featuring Branch and Quartermain on the cover is issue 25, where there's kind of this just living branches of a plant growing up and, and entangling Spider-Man and Deadpool. And, and they really, it, it doesn't even look like the same kind of thing. So anyway, that is Spider-Man versus Deadpool number 23 through 24. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to play another uh, podcast promo. This one is going to be for the podcast of the person who gave me the comic. And then after that, I will come back to talk about Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew. You like cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen, and I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterbin Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost 100 bucks to collect. Join me in the Quarterbin, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarterbin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast in iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny. So I forgot to mention this when I talked about Spider-Man versus Deadpool. Uh, the, one of the things, or three of the things, I should say, that I look for when I'm reading a Swamp Monster comic is cover, content, and creature. And so for creature, for Spider-Man versus Deadpool, perfect. Great. Loved it. Content, well, it had Deadpool. So, blah. Uh, cover, none of those covers, and that's why I forgot to cover it when I, or to say this when I, when I was talking about them, was uh, honestly... There is no Swamp Monster on any of those covers, and so it's not something that I would, you know, frame. Is it frameable? Is it something that uh, I would I would want on my wall? Uh, is it something that would make me judge the book by its cover and purchase the book because of its cover? And so with Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew, uh, we have a cover that says Muck Monster Madness from Roy Thomas and Scott Shaw. Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew. His name is Mud. And there's the zoo crew. And the zoo crew is, uh, let's see, Pig Iron, Captain Carrot, um, Rubber Ducky, Ali Cabracadabra, something like that. Um, Fastback, uh, Yankee Poodle, and yeah, Ali Catabra. Ali Cadabra. They're all funny animals. They all uh, look like they could easily have come, you know, stepped right out of a out of a Looney Tunes cartoon, which I think is the the intention. Um, the turtle character, Fastback, is a speedster, and he is standing there, scratching his head, looking at everyone who's scared. They're all in a swamp, and they're all looking, and they are looking at him. And there's a giant crocodile covered in mud standing behind Fastback. 
and it's the Swamp Monster. And so the question is, you know, just starting with the cover, it's a good cover. It's a good Swamp Monster cover. Uh, Fastback is just saying, huh? What do you all mean? Watch out for the monster. I don't look that bad because, you know, he thinks he's there looking at him and talking about him. <laughs> but no, he's <laughs> they're just talking about the monster that's behind him that he can't see. Funny? No. Amusing? Sure, sure. And, you know, definitely, uh, you if you're judging the book by its cover, this book is exactly what the cover is presenting. Uh, there is a swamp monster. There is the team, and there are bad jokes throughout. <laughs> so Captain Carrot and His Amazing Zoo Crew is meant to be a humor book. It is written by Roy Thomas, and I say meant to be a humor book because there are so many jokes, so many jokes, and most of them are bad, bad animal puns. And uh, I don't even want to get into all of them, but I... I <laughs> yeah. So Robert Ducky in his secret identity is a uh, actor and he is going to the set of his new film that's in the swamp and the new film features a swamp monster um, and the it also features the actress uh, let's see what's her name Farah Farah Foxit that's right Farah Foxit because animal pun humor and there is so much of it so much animal pun humor i mean just every panel has something i mean they change the name of a city they change the name of a you know a tv show and uh, it's just uh <laughs> but um, what i do find interesting about this is the the swamp monster uh, the, the Swamp Monster story within this story, it's a lot like Theodore Spurgeon's It, which Roy Thomas adapted into comic book form. If you remember from, I, I think it was the first Swamp Things episode that I did, I talked about the story. And and the Swamp Monster in the story is just something that it's a guy who died and, and his bones were there and, and Swamp Monster stuff just kind of formed around the bones and it came alive. And that's kind of what happens here. Kind of. Uh, the actor who's playing the swamp monster in the movie that Rubber Duck is going to be in, uh, he made his own costume and did his own makeup. And there are some jokes, by the way, about the, the makeup and about the, uh, uh, you know, just movie making and, and that kind of thing. And and they they do say, you know, this, this is all about the makeup. And, uh, you know, it's very meta. Uh, speaking of meta, one joke I forgot from the Deadpool thing was uh, Deadpool talking about, yeah, I killed Coulson. And unlike that retcon from the movie series, he's stayed dead. <laughs> so I, I found that a little bit amusing. But then the whole him breaking the fourth wall, it got it got a little bit annoying, uh, almost like the uh, the animal puns in this in this humor book, uh, which they call it. Uh, maybe it's not on this issue. Maybe it's, oh, no, no, it's in an advertisement. Uh, there's an advertisement in this issue. First of all, there's an advertisement for the Swamp Thing uh, movie. And then there's an advertisement that has uh, four or five different books. Yeah. Uh, there's Flash, Two Fisted Thrills with the Fastest Man Alive and the Master of Magic, Dr. Fate. Uh, Arak, Peril and Excitement in the Forgotten Days of the Dark Ages. There's never been anything like it. Green Lantern is exiled in space, fighting to prove himself, fighting to survive. The exciting conclusion of Star Cycle. And then uh, in the middle of that, on sale March 11th, because you demanded it, all new exploits of Comic-Den's award-winning award -winning muck monster. Saga, the swamp thing. And then on sale March 25th is this issue that I'm holding in my hands right now. The brand new exploits of DC's newest superstars. The funny animal book for people who hate funny animal books. And I don't hate funny animal books, but I don't think that this is going to be something that's going to, uh, you know, turn people around on the whole subgenre of comics. Anyway, uh, the actor made his own makeup and he got some of the, his slime on the on Farrah Foxit and she wasn't happy about that. And so they take the slime stuff that he created and he put so much stuff in that he doesn't even know what he put in it. And they dump it into the, the river in the swamp and it goes and it bonds with the skeleton of a crocodile and it brings it to life. And literally like in it, this 
crocodile thing has no purpose other than to menace people. And menace people, he does. And so the, the zoo crew has to come and stop the creature. And of course they do. And uh, they, the way they stop it is they use magic to drain the swamp. <laughs> uh, Abri, Abra, no, Ali Kadabra. Uh, Ali Kadabra uses magic to make a, um, a drain plug and at the bottom of the swamp and she pulls the drain plug and they drain the swamp and the swamp monster gets pulled in and uh pig iron the uh the kind of robotic metal i don't know if he's a robot or if he's just just metal or, or what he is um they're gonna hire these guys to be in a movie and uh they want him to be the monster and he, you know, he's, hey, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah, sure, you bet. Then they back a truck and drop slime on him, and he's going to be the swamp monster. So he, technically speaking, we get three different swamp monster um, designs in here. And yeah, yeah it's all, yeah, it, it is what it is. It is what it is. One thing I do like is they reference uh, Robot Monster, which is a really awful movie that I... <laughs> I've seen the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version where they make fun of that movie. Uh, but before I saw the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of it, uh, I watched it unironically uh, just to see it. Maybe not entirely unironically, but anyway, that monster is just a gorilla suit and a deep sea diver helmet. And he's, he's a monster an alien from outer space. And that's the, the monster design that they use here for the actual movie monster is, is that um, he puts slime on himself, but he's, he's wearing a basically a gorilla outfit. It looks like, and, and deep sea diver helmet. So, you know, it, again, li like the Deadpool stuff, the, it's not horrible. The artwork is fantastic. I mean, it's really good, funny animal artwork. Uh, the, Puns are just what what does it for me. It's just the constant barrage of puns. Uh, but then you have, you know, in, in the midst of this ridiculousness, there's also some fairly standard superhero group stuff going on where they, they have to find a new headquarters. And Captain Carrot, you know, the, the, the team is not really bonding as a team under Captain Carrot's uh, leadership. And he's he's dealing with that. And uh, it's not bad. It's, it's the kind of thing that I'm, I'm not going to necessarily go out and seek Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew, but I'm definitely going to read issue number four. I mean, why wouldn't I, uh, I've got it and it's here and it's not terrible. <laughs> so that is Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew issue number four. So I'm going to play another promo and when I get back, I'm going to talk about young monsters in love, specifically the swamp thing story. So are we going to be working together? Really? Worst film you ever saw. Well, my next one will be better. It's the Film and Water Podcast. The Film and Water Podcast covers movies new and old, classic and uh, not so classic. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Available weekly on fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. There's not much to say about this this story uh, without giving really too much away. I mean, it's a very short story, and short stories are hard to do, but this one is done very well. Uh, part of it is because it has a very specific focus on character and on theme and what it wants to do with the characters. It's a short love story. It's called Swamp Thing in Heart-Shaped Box, and it's by Mark Russell and Fraser Irving. And it's it's a simple story of uh, monster meets girl, monster falls in love with girl, things get in the way of the monster being in love with the girl, and in the end, well, I'm not going to say what happens in the end, but you can probably guess what happens in the end, especially when I say this. You can hear the Lonely Man theme playing from the Incredible Hulk TV show as uh, 
Swamp Thing disappears into the swamp. And as far as Swamp Thing disappearing into the swamp, that last page, you know, there's there's some good stuff. There's some good stuff. It opens with him getting a valentine because he has fallen in love with someone who is he loves. He, he likes this person, and they get along well. And what gets in the way? Well, people who get a picture of the Swamp Thing, and they want to capture him. They want to get him. And so these people... Uh, this is this is kind of a funny joke. I mean, I, I I talked about hating puns. This isn't really a pun. It's just kind of a a, a play, a playful play on words. Uh, they need to go get someone. They need to hire someone who can get rid of the girl and bring in the monster. And so they go to Craigslist for assassins and hitmen. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, that just really struck me as as funny. Um, but it is there it's a swamp thing story. And so it's going to have tragedy and it's unfortunate. And, in, but the theme that heart shaped box uh, in the middle um, swamp thing talks about this. They, he gives a Valentine to the girl and it's shaped like a heart. And she says, you know that the human heart isn't really shaped like that. Right. And he says, I know I used to have a heart. In fact, I, I think I still might have one. And she says, Oh yeah. And what is your heart shaped like? He answers, a box. She asks, a box? And he says, when I'm in love, my heart feels like a fortress, like it will keep me safe from whatever the world sends against me. Without love, my heart becomes a prison without a key. And then that figures in heavily into the ending. And uh, he gives the bad guys, when he, when he finally defeats them, he gives them one of the most humane and horrifying endings. It's just, I, and that's what makes Swamp Thing an interesting monster is that he obviously is not human, you know, physically, but he tries to retain that humanity. And, you know, even when he's, being a godlike thing there's there's an element of that going on but here he's just a monster with lots and lots of power and he retains his humanity um he doesn't want to hurt people he doesn't want to kill people but he doesn't want to let them go unpunished and so he gives them a punishment that is very appropriate and fits thematically and yeah i i like this it's a great little short story and it just it just does the job well. It has nothing to do with the cover. <laughs> so if we're talking about Swamp Thing only and we're looking at the cover, cover gets an A plus, you know, thumbs way up. It's a funny, fun cover of Swamp Thing making out with the bride of the monster and Frankenstein standing in the background just horrified. And I, I already explained this, but uh, yeah. Is it frameable? Yes. It's, it's, it's frameable. It's not something that I'm going to say, yeah, I can't wait to put this up on my wall. And if I ever do start framing my Swamp Monster comics, this might not even make it onto the wall. Uh, but it is frameable. It is definitely, you know, if you're just doing the di uh, just that two, that dichotomy, you know, yes or no, this, this falls in yes. Uh, part of it is just because of the goofiness and, and you know, the, the, the joke, the play on, you know, young monsters in love and that kind of thing. Um, the story itself, content, great story, creature. He is in character and is an interesting story about him, and it uses him well. So that is Young Monsters in Love, number one. Now, it's interesting because this is an 80-page giant, and Swamp Thing Winter Special is also an 80-page giant. And in a moment, we will talk about the Swamp Thing Winter Special, but we were also, uh, I have so, a little bit of inside information about these two books and, and what happened with them as far as uh, release, price point, and page count. Warlord Worlds, a fan podcast devoted to the comic creations of Mike Grell, including Warlord, John Sable, Star Slayer, Shaman's Tears, and Green Arrow. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth.
hope you'll join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in the many excellent comics from writer and artist Mike Grell. Warlord Worlds is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Find us at warlordworlds.com. So Young Monsters in Love is an 80-page giant, and it is the, the, it's 10 bucks. It's $9.99. Uh, Swamp Thing Winter Special is also 80-page giant and has the same kind of uh, trade dress on it. Uh, it's that new, uh, I love this new logo thing that they're doing where it says DC Universe, and then it has the issue number and the price, and then underneath there's any special information, like 80-page giant. The difference is Swamp Thing Winter Special is square bound and or perfect bound and uh young monsters in love is saddle stitched or stapled like a comic and i found out when i went and bought this i was talking to uh casey the owner of buy me toys and he told me um swamp thing winter special 7.99 the reason that they ended up doing a cheaper price point on it than young monsters in love is that the book isn't all art and it features you know the a handful of pages that are not lettered and then also features a handful of pages that are just text. And so there's a editor's note from Rebecca Taylor that talks about uh, the Len Wein story and what they, why they decided not to put dialogue in it. Instead, they are including his outline and the completed artwork of this issue. Then they also have um, the three, three pages that are kind of a progression page of uh, a tribute to Len Wein uh, when he passed away that was done by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. And it shows the pencils, the inks, and then the colored version. And it's of him sitting at his desk with Wolverine and, and Swamp Thing behind it. And that alone is a frameable piece of art. I mean, it's, it's a really, really nice piece. Um, they also have a double-page spread that is the double-page uh, cover that they did for, um, oh, I, the, what, what's the reprint, reprinted edition of Saga of the Swamp Thing, which is the how I have issue number one of, of that series in print form. But it's just the inks, and that is then uh, kind of a tribute to Bernie Wrightson. And this whole entire thing that I'm holding in my hands here ends up being a, a tribute to Len Wein and, and Bernie Wrightson. And uh, because they have that that story, they have the that thing, and then um, uh, Tom King's story, the the Winter Special story itself, uh, that says dedicated to Len Wein and, and Bernie Wrightson, and so it, th- this whole Winter Special thing is is basically a tribute to the the creators of of Swamp Thing and the people who made him made him what he is as far as a character goes. Uh, so that's the difference in price point. The question then is, okay, so why why is the 80-page giant Young Monsters in Love, in love uh, saddle-stitched in, in a comic format instead of that perfect bound um, you know, sp- binding that has a spine on it? And the reason, I guess, uh, according to uh, Casey, is that there was some late art, and they were not able to, if they had done this, the, uh, the square bound, uh, the perfect binding on Young Monsters in Love, it wouldn't have been ready in time for Valentine's Day, and so they they went ahead and did it uh, with the with the staples instead, and and that way it was able to come out, uh, I guess, two Wednesdays before Valentine's Day. So that was a little bit of interesting information. So what about the story in Swamp Thing Winter Special? Uh, what about I should say the stories in Swamp Thing Winter Special? Well, starting with Len Wein's story, which is called um, Spring Awakening, and it's labeled as Swamp Thing Number 7, so definitely picking up after the, the six-issue miniseries that they did. Um, I, I don't know where this was going exactly, but it features... I mean, it's definitely going to end in some form of conflict between Swamp Thing and Solomon Grundy, which uh, is another swamp monster, technically speaking. Uh also, it almost looks like Matt Cable, uh, who 
for various reasons, um, is an important character in, in uh, Len Wein's Swamp Thing canon and is a swamp uh, important member of the, the Swamp Thing supporting cast in general. Um, it almost looks to me like it was going to end up as a Matt Cable Swamp Thing travel the and solve crimes. I, I don't know if it will or not, or if it would have. Um, that's almost what it feels like it could turn into. But basically, uh, Solomon Grundy kidnaps a baby from a criminal, and Swamp Thing and Matt Cable have some conversation. Commissioner Gordon gets involved, and it ends with Batman showing up. And the next issue uh, or the next few issues then would wrap up this storyline of this kidnapped baby, Solomon Grundy, Batman getting involved. And I'm assuming Matt Cable would also get involved, but yeah, it, it also features some, you know, uh, I w- what I would say classic uh, elements of what Len Wein does with Swamp Thing, which is put him in the swamp and give him uh, moments in the swamp where he interacts with the swamp and uh, you know, Maybe a crocodile comes here or there. This time it's not a crocodile that he ends up interacting with. It's a little bird that he gets angry at because it steals a twig that he creates out of his fingers to let it land on his finger. And then it just takes the twig to his to its nest. And and you know what? Okay. He says, you know, this is, this is good. That's nice. So anyway, uh, it's good. Uh, the Kelly Jones artwork... Um, I'm not a big fan of Kelly Jones' uh, version of Swamp Thing, but the rest of the artwork reminds me a lot of Bernie Wrightson, honestly, and uh, just the the type of uh, of character design that he would do. And um, yeah, so that good. Um, you know, if we're talking creature cover content, content good, creature good, no cover <laughs> on that. Uh, the cover belongs to the Winter Special which is a great cover. Frameable? Sure. Um, it's got Swamp Thing, and he is massive and looming over um, people who are in snow, dead, frozen in snow. But inside of him, there is a shivering child who is uh, trying to keep warm. And everything about the cover is blues and grays and white, except for within Swamp Thing. It's warm orange. And that warm orange uh, reflects off the snow where the frozen people are. But uh, it, it, so Swamp Thing is, is there. Uh, there's also snow accumulating on top of him. Actually, a lot like the, the branches outside of my, my house right now. So cover is a great cover. But now let's talk about the winter special story by Tom King, which is called the talk of the saints, uh, that the content, the creature is that good. What about them? Well, what about them? Uh, it's good. It's really good. Uh, this is a talented, talented writer. And I like what Tom King did with, with Swamp Thing in this and Jason Fabic. However you say that name, I'm sorry, um, but he, uh, it's very interesting because he, it's, it's still, there's a, a level of horror and, and the, you know, Swamp Thing himself goes through a lot of changes in his body. There's a lot of things happening over time where basically uh, the setup is he is trudging through a snowy landscape, trying to keep a boy alive and he has to fight a bear. Yes. <laughs> There it is. I, one of my favorite comic book tropes is you must fight the bear and he fights a bear and he they come across people that they have to deal with and uh, all, all the while they're being chased by a snow monster and the child keeps uh, pushing Swamp Thing on and telling him, you know, you forget, but you fought the, the, the snow monster yesterday. You fought the snow monster yesterday. And Swamp Thing, you know, he gets gaunt and he he looks um, 
like a you know, just a scary monster in some panels. But then again, there's just that level of humanity that Swamp Thing has. And maybe that's one of the most interesting things as far as the dichotomy between Swamp Thing and Man Thing goes is Man Thing has completely lost his humanity and doesn't even know he has lost it. And Swamp Thing is actively working at retaining his humanity. And, uh, you know, so he is compassionate and he feels bad when he has to um, do, you know, act violently. And he, you know, values life. Uh, that's one thing I really appreciate about Swamp Thing, and and at least not not necessarily in every story, but in in the stories that I really like about Swamp Thing is that he values life. Now, I think that comes down to you know just a almost like a, a hippy dippy nature thing kind of you know, but at the same time, it's deeper than that. It is um, life begets life and human life is life that is something to be valued and uh you know plant life is life to be valued because it supports these other life and you know meat life supports plant life plant life supports meat life you know that kind of thing and it just goes around and around and i i like it i i appreciate the what the story is it's um there's it's disturbing it is a horror story and it is a horror story with a twist, and it is a horror story with some uh, disturbing images. Uh, throughout the comic, though, you watch Swamp Thing just get more and more gaunt and weak, and he can't connect with the green because of the snow, and the cold is you know, causing him to slow down, and, and he can't remember, and it's it's a strong, strong story. I really enjoyed it. I, I like I said, I, I love the artwork. Uh, this, it's very interesting to see the difference between Kelly Jones' version of Swamp Thing, which is just kind of ape-like almost. Uh, there's an element of you know a gorilla or you know Kong from Skull Island, the most recent movie, where you know not quite gorilla but not quite human as far as length of legs and length of arms uh it's bulky and monstrous uh the uh jason fabak uh his swamp thing is you know there's there's power in it um especially early on in the story uh, but as you know time goes by and he is you know losing power losing strength he's getting thinner and thinner and uh it's still a it's still a brutish creature and a scary creature and an interesting looking creature. I mean, you can these are panels I could stare at uh, for just not hours, but <laughs> for a long time uh, because there is just so much um, detail put into the the creature and just the way his his uh, body is not just muscle, uh, not just uh, plant but is a plant life kind of mimicking muscle and musculature. And, um, and then there's that ending and the ending is it's sad and it's horrifying and it's tragic and, and it works and it works well. And I don't want to get into the twist because I really do feel like if you are listening to this podcast, you might be interested. You're, you're either interested in swamp monsters or me. And so, um, if you're interested in, you know, what I think about it and you don't care to read about it, then you can contact me, you know, hit me up on Facebook or whatever. But uh, if you uh, have read this, um, then you know what I mean about the ending. And uh, if you have not read this, I, I want you to, you know, if you've not read this and you're listening to this because you're into swamp monsters or horror comics in general, then, uh, you know, I, I highly recommend this. At $7.99, it's a really interesting package. Uh, it is absolutely feels like it is a tribute to Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson. Um, but this story, you know, this story, this winter special story, the all saints talk or whatever it was the title again, the talk of the saints, um, that this story is not just, um, mimicking what Len Wein did, but building on what Len Wein started. And it's, it's a really nicely done horror story. And it, it gets, it, it hits a lot of, a lot of tropes. Uh, you know, there's religious imagery, um, whether it's intentional or not, I don't know, but it, it's there. Um, 
and it's not just religious imagery uh, in the artwork, but in the story of, of sacrifice and of, like I said, compassion and all these things that uh, unfortunately don't necessarily rise to the top in today's society is, and even doesn't necessarily rise to the top in today's you know, uh, Christian society, uh, but it's supposed to be. And you know, this Swamp Thing is a very um, Christian-like character in, in the way that it, he puts others first and wants to um, wants to help people and protect people. And uh, he is calling himself a monster in the, throughout. And the child actually mentions at one point, uh, you wanted to do this because you wanted to be a superhero. You want to be a superhero again. And, and he is. This is what a superhero is. A superhero is someone who puts others before him, takes his power, uses it to help other people and not to... Um, harm other people intentionally, you know, a, a supervillain uses his power for selfish means and uses his power to harm people to get what he wants. A superhero uses his power to, to build and, and to help. And, you know, that's, that's something that is a part of the Swamp Thing character that, um, when I read Swamp Thing and, and enjoy Swamp Thing, that's, that's something that's a part of those stories. So that is the Swamp Thing winter special and that is my swamp things winter special i look outside right now it's dark and the street lights are shining down on the the snow and it's uh it's just it's not quite magical but it's super close super close and uh yeah but that brings this this uh this episode to a close so I do, again, want to thank you so much for listening. Uh, remind you, you can go to Comic Book Time Machine at comicbooktimemachine.com, but you can also go to facebook.com slash comicbooktimemachine where you can interact with myself. Um, you can uh, contact us through the website. You can listen to other episodes. You can listen to the stuff we do about Star Wars. You can listen to the stuff we do about... Um, uh, crisis on infinite earths you can listen to just our journey as we've gone through into the past to talk about comic books and i also want to remind you once again to you know read what you like and like what you read if you're reading comics and you're not enjoying yourself then you're doing something wrong and in this case you know i've really enjoyed myself and i'm doing something wrong those deadpool comics that is me totally not following my own advice now there were things that i found that i enjoyed within it but just the fact that i bought the comics uh yeah so i'm not going to go too much uh, deeper down into that hole but anyway i do want to thank you for listening and i do want to say that uh, as you are you know keeping yourself warm keeping yourself safe uh you know and if you're listening in the summer, it's a lot easier to keep yourself warm. But here in the winter, uh, keep yourself warm, keep yourself safe. And no matter where you're going, how you're getting there, if you're traveling uh, through the snow or if you're just sitting there looking outside and imagining that you're going somewhere, I just want to wish you Godspeed.